Before we have our reading, I want to introduce our preacher for today. Uh, we get the distinct pleasure to be joined by Amy Peterson, uh, who is a divinity student at Duke. Um, I guess we're all online students now, uh, but um, uh, she and her family moved to Durham to start a, a Master's of Divinity program at Duke, and she released her, uh, not her first book, uh, um, earlier this year called Where Goodness Still Grows. And I read this book and I love this book and I love what she's doing because I see it as a, a, a real project of hope, healing, and hospitality and really reconfiguring some of the um, pain and, and um, uh, some of the um, things that we grew up with thinking about God or thinking about God's people that uh, need to be reworked and reconfigured and transfigured. And um, when, when we decided that we we're going to um, talk about spiritual disciplines during this Lent, uh, none of us knew um, that this Lent was going to be this way. Uh, but when we decided we wanted to talk about lament, I knew I wanted to try to get Amy to speak to us because her book opens with a chapter on lament. Um, that's, that's how she sets the table um, and to keep her metaphor going clear as the ground. So before uh, we invite Amy, I'm, I'm going to uh, ask uh, Sarah Grumeyer to read from Lamentations. How lonely sits the city that once was full of people. How like a widow she has become, she that was great among the nations. The roads to Zion mourn, for no one comes to the festivals. All her gates are desolate. All her people groan as they search for bread. They trade their treasures for food to revive their strength. For these things I weep. My eyes flow with tears, for a comforter is far from me, one to revive my courage. My children are desolate, for the enemy has prevailed. Hear, all you peoples, and behold my suffering. My young women and young men have gone into captivity. See, O oh Lord, how distressed I am. My stomach churns, churns. My heart is wrung within me. Hear, all you peoples, and behold my swoops. Oh, was that a, sorry. That's okay. Thank you. Um, in my church, we say the word of the Lord. Thanks, God. Um, thanks, for Chris, for inviting me to speak this morning. Um, even as an outsider to your community, can everybody hear me okay? Cool. Um, and also, I just want to say hi to my far-flung friends and family and former students who I see are listening in today. And welcome. And it's so good to see your names there. Um, would you pray with me as we begin? God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. <clears throat> I'm tired of lament. When Chris originally asked me several months ago to preach today about lament, I thought, sure, lament is a good fitting topic for this season of Lent. But you know, 
I hadn't planned on giving up quite this much for Lent. And while I think normally most of us do need help practicing lament, I'm willing to bet that most of us this week have not had any trouble feeling the grief and anxiety and weight of our need for God's intervention in the world. Most of the time, I think we need help practicing lament because normally it's easy for us to believe that we can basically take care of ourselves and we can basically take care of any problems we have. Those of us who are well-off, well-educated, healthy, we usually can take care of those problems. But now, the coronavirus. This week, the spread of the coronavirus has perhaps, hopefully, made us more aware of what is always true but is usually hard for us to see. That we are always, at every moment, dependent upon God for survival and salvation. And the coronavirus has interrupted us with grief. I've found myself thinking that my own griefs, like not being able to go to a family reunion next month or maybe not being able to go to New York this summer for an internship, um, those griefs may seem trivial compared to the griefs others are suffering of, of death and, and real bodily pain. But my griefs are still grief and maybe they hold an invitation for me to align myself with the griefs of others, an opening for empathy. Still, feeling grief and anxiety doesn't automatically translate into practicing lament well. If you're anything like me, your heart has been heavy this week, and the unfolding events have probably triggered memories of other traumas, meaning that we're all dealing not only with the difficulties of this particular season and virus, but also on top of that, the unresolved emotions or griefs from past experiences of sickness and past experiences of loss and past experiences of realizing that we're not in control. We're feeling all of these at once. And it's a lot and it's frightening. But in the midst of all of this, I haven't actually lamented. I've checked Twitter obsessively. I've snapped at my family. I've felt sad and worried. But I don't know that any of that has translated into prayer to God. Lament is the practice of mourning what is wrong in the world and calling on God to repair it. I've been doing the first half of that just fine, mourning what is wrong, but I haven't been doing so well at calling on God to repair it. A couple of years ago, I read the story of Tahlequah, an orca who lamented the loss of her daughter for a thousand miles off the coast of Seattle. That's her picture that you can see on the screen. <clears throat> After 17 months of pregnancy, Tahlequah gave birth to a calf who lived for less than an hour. And so for the next 17 days, Tahlequah pushed her calf through the cold waters of the Pacific Ocean. It was an unprecedented show of mourning that drew international attention. 
Tahlequah's pod of killer whales is endangered. They're dependent on Chinook salmon for food, but Chinook salmon are also endangered, so food is scarce. Because of this, Tahlequah's baby wasn't just her baby, it was her pod's hope for the future. Now, scientists say that the 75 killer whales in the Salish Sea only have five years to produce offspring if they hope to continue to exist. I can't help but think that Tahlequah knows this and that her unparalleled tour of grief was a cry for humans to notice the damage we've done to natural habitats. Orcas gestate for 17 months. Tahlequah mourned one day for every month she'd spent bonding with her calf. Perhaps this is coincidental, but I doubt it. In the Bible, we have the Book of Lamentations. Lamentations is a book of five poems that express the grief, anger, fear, and despair of survivors in the aftermath of the destruction of Jerusalem. In the poems, multiple poetic voices, some individual and some communal, call on God to see and to act. These poems, like Tahlequah's mourning in a way, follow a structure. The first four poems are acrostics. So the first verse of each begins with the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet. The next verse begins with the second letter and so on. Kathleen O'Connor, a professor of Hebrew, writing about Lamentations asks, why write the poetry of sorrow in alphabetical order? This choice cho shows us something about grief. First, it shows us that grief is vast. Grief goes from A to Z, and it goes from A to Z again and again and again. It seems infinite. It is more than we have language for. And second, this artistic choice signifies for us that grief needs structure. O'Connor also says, the alphabet gives both shape and order to suffering that is otherwise inherently chaotic, formless, and out of control. It tries to force unspeakable pain into a container that is familiar and recognizable even as suffering eludes containment. Lamentations acrostics are all acrostics, but they're not all the same. The first two poems offer just one verse per letter, but the third poem is three times as long. It uses three verses per letter. And then the fourth poem is shorter than all the others. I love the way that these poems show us that grief comes in waves and that the waves vary in intensity, and that perhaps sometimes we are too tired to lament as long as we once did. The shortening forms, the shrinking poems imply exhaustion, increasing numbness, and the loosening of structures to sustain confidence in God and the future. The Book of Lamentations shows us that lament needs form. Lament needs to go from A to Z. Lament will repeat. It will come in waves that cannot be entirely predicted. God will seem silent and the suffering must be honored. Relief, when it comes, may be minor, more exhausted than triumphant. 
This week I sat down with my kids and my journal and I wrote the alphabet down the side of a page. I asked them what they were sad about with coronavirus and everything that's been happening. Here's what we came up with to start. A, all the children who can't go to school, especially those who need school lunches. Birthday parties might not happen. My son turns nine next month. Celebrations like weddings and Easter canceled. Okay, Easter isn't canceled, but Easter services and Easter egg hunts are. Death, empty streets and empty shelves. Field trips canceled. Grandparents who are lonely or in danger. Try this with your family or in your journal this week, maybe this afternoon. Make your own acrostic of grief. Name the things you see that are wrong in the world and then call on God to change them. And finish by reading from Lamentations chapter three. We'll let these verses be our closing prayer now. Lamentations 3, 22 through, th through 23. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. God's mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Amen.